0: There's an article this weekend in the Globe and and Stats from Canada, as well as we had 900,000 PRs come in last year, which was the exact same number as the US. And the US is 10 times the size of Canada. So when we talk about housing shortages or housing needs and affordable housing needs, it's because we're a population of 39 million and we're adding a million a year, which is the same number of from an immigration standpoint as the U.S., which is wild to think about. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello,
1: and welcome to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, the ultimate guide to navigating the dynamic and thriving real estate landscape in Canada's capital city. I'm your host, Paul Stevenson, joined by the insightful minds of Greg Campbell and David Warren. Whether you're a seasoned investor, a first-time homebuyer, or simply fascinated by the ever-evolving real estate market, you've come to the right place. In, e- in each episode, we delve deep into the latest trends, market insights, and expert interviews to provide you with the valuable knowledge and actionable advice. From exploring the hottest neighborhoods to discussing the intricacies of property investment strategies, we are your trusted companions on this exciting journey through Ottawa's real estate market. Uh, yeah. Hello.
0: A minute and three seconds.
1: I'm True. just leaning wow. in. I'm
2: just True. leaning True. in.
0: We're, we're your companions. <laughs> getting... We're your we're trusted companions. companions. <laughs>
2: yeah. Delving again.
1: Oh okay, my God. I've, I've, actually... had I've had
2: enough of the delving. The shirts are getting made. I, I you know, it has to be done. Was I supposed yeah. to do that originally?
1: I don't know. I, I'm, I think we're just kind I'm of getting about it. Done. Done. I'm getting it we, done. I actually spoke to a client from the show yesterday, Greg, and he laughed. So funny story. Actually, I'm going to tell a story because it's it's kind of hilarious. So we chatted. And, you know, sometimes you just get these feelings in the middle of a conversation. Like, I don't know why, but I'm going to ask this person about X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. So we talked for like half an hour. And at the end of the conversation, I'm like, he was from the UK. I'm like, oh, I'm like, where are you from in the UK? He's like, oh, we're from this little place, so and so. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I said, yeah, my dad grew up in the UK. And, you know, he grew up in a small place that nobody's ever heard of called Nettlebed. And the guy's like, Nettlebed. He's like, I know Nettlebed. It's like a population of like 200 people, you know? He's like, we lived in the town next door. We used to go over to the pub every Friday for, for beers and so on. I was like, yeah, my dad grew up like in front of the, the pub. It's the only restaurant in the whole town. Uh, And he said he used to listen to the show in England in the Mm -hmm. parking lot while his daughters were at dance or he dropped them off at their activities. And then he'd listen in the parking lot in England. And he said he used to manage YouTube videos. And he's like, you guys have no idea, like how far your reach can be and how many people, like what lives you're touching through the show. And he was just very, very appreciative of, of what we're doing and so on. So I just thought that was a pretty cool story. Not only does he know the town my dad grew up in, but he also listened to us in the UK for three years before then deciding to move to yeah. Ottawa. So pretty wild. Yeah. He, he connected with us. And he mentioned Delve. That's why he's like, let's delve into the conversation. <laughs> so I was like, oh, here we go. I can't get away from this now. <laughs>
2: I, actually, I actually had lunch, lunch with him just before Christmas with Matt. That was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's we'll get de- into We'll it. be delving into some new adventures.
1: Yes, yes. Well, us. when you mentioned Delve, I said, okay, this is like, we're now synonymous with the word Delve. So yeah. people aren't even going to know it's an AI thing anymore. They're going to think it's the, the toe rep thing. Love it. Uh, David, <laughs> how was your weekend? What are we getting into this week? What are we talking about?
0: Weekend was weekend was good. Weekend was good. You know, another fun first birthday party. You know, that those sorts of weekends, mm, I get to funny. enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>. all those. <laughs> and as you can see behind me, ripped my fingers apart yesterday, putting together some new shelving in the looks office. Looks amazing,
2: though.
0: Clearly, uh, yeah, these hands are not full of calluses and shred very, very easily. Yeah. They we are got paper hands, Mangled. Eh? Mangled.
2: <laughs> it just, you <laughs> just... look. it looks so, what's the word that I'm looking for? Incredible? I don't know. It's very <laughs> regal. Regal. Yeah, it seems like you've you've leveled up, and and you need many scotches. You need need more books. You need more books on the countertop.
0: Leather-bound books. books. Some mahogany. Yeah, (laughs) red
1: mahogany looks really good. It looks like a daunting to get put together task, and I'm happy I didn't have to do it. Delving, daunting, dauntingly delving. (laughs) Oh, real estate, gentlemen. I wanted to touch quickly. I know we got a few articles, but I wanted to touch quickly. We we mentioned a, a a house. When Nick was on mm-hmm. last week, that was for sale in, in Crystal Beach, and they had it listed at five hundred thousand. I think we talked about it with, with Nick. Maybe we mm-hmm. didn't. Maybe it was off air. Yeah. But no, no. It was listed at five hundred thousand. We couldn't figure out why. It was clearly, you know, fully renovated, top to bottom. Really nice neighborhood, and they ended up getting twenty two offers. They were accepting offers last Monday, so when we recorded, they received twenty two offers, and they didn't accept a single one. Didn't accept a single one, and they relisted now. At $7.99. So Greg, as an expert in real estate, what happened there? Walk us through it. I think they made a mistake by doing
2: that. They should have just listed it where they wanted to and sold it. Because now they have some type of stigma where, you know, there's probably a bunch of people that want the property and may have paid closer to that. Um, but now they're just like basically saying, fuck you.
1: Yeah, like to me, they've alienated anyone interested in that property, put an offer in. Yeah. So
0: now it was a
2: mistake. I mean, it was a good effort, but it was a mistake.
0: So the interesting thing I find about this, though, this property in particular, is we found out, I think we were researching it, it came up after the show. We found out, though, that this house was a fire. Yeah. There yeah. was a fire in it. Unfortunately, someone passed in that fire. And it's since been, you know, that was, I think, two years ago. So I'm curious as to, you know, originally I was thinking like that they price it to be aggressive to get rid of it, but also maybe because of that, you know, you brought up stigma, that stigma attached mm-hmm. to it, because obviously I believe something like that has to be disclosed, or even if you just Google the address, it comes up. And and so I'm, it's very, when Paul, you had mentioned that it went, they relisted for $300,000 more, it's like, I thought that's pretty ridiculous considering, you know, number one, the 22 offers, but to your point, alienating people. And then also further to that of like, there was, this was also a fire rebuild, you know, going for, like, you kind of would have thought that they would have, you know, obviously they put money into it and, and rebuilding it, but you'd think they would have been a little more aggressive, especially in the market, like we're in today to, to price it properly, to, to sell it. Yeah. Now I do think,
2: I do think that if this had to happen mid February, or end of February, it may have been a slightly different story, mm-hmm. depending on where mm-hmm. the market goes. But for now, yeah, it's just like they kind of misstepped on that. They should have just listed it at eight.
1: We should each week moving forward from now till the spring market, we should, we should track number of listings coming out just so we can see kind of the the upward trajectory week to week. Speaking of that, in
2: Ottawa proper, as That's Nick, I didn't uh, know Nick. Greg had this.
1: This is, as, <laughs> uh, this is
2: a great segue. As as Nick mentioned last week, Ottawa proper. In the last seven days, we have three hundred and fifty new listings, twenty-eight back on market, seventy-eight price decreases, six price increases. You know, the one that you mentioned being being one of them. Mm-hmm. One hundred and thirty-four conditional sales, one hundred and six sales. 44 expired, 114 canceled. The canceled and expireds, for anyone listening that doesn't understand certain dynamics of the real estate business, the ones that expired and canceled may relist and may be included in those new listings of 350. 87 rented and three listings suspended. That could have been for a number of reasons, and those will probably be back on the market soon. But yeah, that'll be my new, I can do that every
0: week. Market market 350, watch. 350, 350 oh, market 50 watch. newly yeah. listed properties is that's quite a few. Mm-hmm.
2: I think so. Yeah, I don't have the year over year numbers for that, but I can work towards that. I'm it's there's yeah, a lot coming out every day. Like, let me mm-hmm. just look up it, let me just open up like Orleans as, as a thing here. So, Orleans, we've had one, two, So the last seven days, we've had about 30 listings alone in Orleans come up. Actually, wait, more than that. No, we've had 40 listings in Orleans come up in the last seven days. I sold one in Orleans over the weekend. Woo! For those that care. um, We all care, Gregory. We all care. It was a stacked townhome that I couldn't believe hadn't sold. But that just goes to show you where things are, that things are changing. We saw nine, we had the opportunity to see nine. We actually could have seen 12 that fit the criteria. And we walked into the fifth one, I guess it was. And even myself, I walked in and I was kind of like, I would buy this immediately. Mm -hmm. So we, we did get, we negotiated a fair price. And one of the bonuses was that it comes with two parking spots and that's pretty rare, especially for an older uh, stack town condo so we feel we did a great job client was very happy we're in the process conditional on financing home inspection status certificate review should have it done by friday i'll let everyone know where it goes but yeah things are things are starting to happen and they they did say that it was getting busier there's also another property that i saw with some other buyers that we're working on getting them all set up now but the agent said that it's been very very busy and that's a property at 950 also, a property that we've had listed for months now, we may be getting an offer this week. The uh, buyers are just trying to figure out what to do with their other property, if they're going to have to sell it or if they're going to keep it as a rental property. So that's First, that's the busiest week I've had since mid-November. Spring? Mid-November. Oh, okay. Yeah, like seriously though, that's that's the most active work that I've I've done in in a bit. So it was, yeah. you know, it was refreshing, obviously, but it just goes to show you that it's mid jan And as we said, we figure there's, you know, I figure there's about another four weeks of better deals still. And after that, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, Bank of Canada announcement, first one of the year is on Wednesday as well. So that'll be... Mm-hmm interesting uh, i'm gonna assume as i'm sure you are dave they're gonna hold rates but you know every, every time leading up to it there's you know you read an article 100 percent rates are going up here's why and like rates are going down here's why like everyone's got their take and realistically it'll probably just hold you know it's not yeah, gonna be anything I, yeah, I, crazy
0: there's not gonna be any movement on wednesday but i think you know what will be good and interesting coming out of it is it's gonna set the tone for the rest of the year and yeah and good our 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 boy tiff is going to have to you know in in that release is going to basically set the tone for the year where like they're seeing the economy and kind of give that forward looking you know not necessarily uh prediction or anything like that but at least in that sentiment of that beginning of the year announcement again we've said it before and most economists or you know all economists and banks don't anticipate anything until mid-year being that, you know, June, April or June timeframe. But what I have been seeing this past weekend is there was a lot of articles come out in the Globe in the Financial Post about the major banks dropping their rates, their fixed rates. There was sponsored posts, you know, even like articles by the Globe about Bank of Canada and, and when they might start reducing. And I know we talked about in December, a lot of it is psychological, you know, obviously when it's not in the news cycle and all there is is talking about rate increases, people stay out of the market. but. You know this past weekend we've seen a lot of talk about and articles about rate decreases and and actuality of fixed rates with, which i think really does push people from a psychological perspective of like putting their eyes back into the market mm-hmm. like we talked about and i think to your exactly your point my i think the next month like by end of february this is a good time of some good deals before there's even more talk or we start to see even more decreases but yeah, it's it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, the bonds have ticked up a little bit with the strength of the U.S. this past week, but I still believe that they will maintain their trajectory down. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think the same. And and I think you know we said this in our prediction show at the beginning of the year, but I think February March is really going to be the for as far as like transactions. I think it's going to be extremely busy with closings happening May and June, and then we'll get that second wave when those rates do start to come down officially and there's a lot more. We're kind of, you know, being in the industry and having our finger more on the pulse, we're probably, you know, three to six months ahead of where the actual general public is from a, you know, information standpoint and what's being portrayed, as you said, Dave, from like headlines and so on. So I think, you know, once we see that first wave go through in February, March, the listeners of the show, and then the general public in, in June, July, when the rates come down again, like we'll probably see more, again, more transactions in the summer. I think, In the past, summers have been typically slow because people are away and they're at the cottage and this and that. I think we're going to see a shift this year. Like, I think we're going to see more people using that time off of work or off of school to find the right home and actually take that time, that quiet time to kind of take their time shopping and so on. And I think we will see a lot more transactions this summer than we have in years past. And, you know, segueing into home prices and real estate in Canada. uh, You're saying there's a bubble, Greg?
2: (laughs) Is that what you're saying? (laughs) This article from Better Dwelling is pretty crazy. I've just got a little summary here. Dave, put the timer on. What's the headline? What's mm-hmm. that? You know, most, most G7 countries experienced uh, rising home prices, obviously, primarily due to 2020 rate cuts with recent moder- moderation. But Canada's real estate bubble is significantly larger than any other G7 country, surpassing the peaks seen in the U.S. and Japanese bubbles. Canadian home prices peaked in Q1 of 2022, after a 59% increase from Q1 2020, followed by a 16.1% decline in the subsequent year. Currently, Canadian home prices are still 11.4% lower than their peak. Despite concerns about a correction, Canada's real estate market is not showing significant signs of correction. Canada's real estate bubble has outpaced the growth in the United States with a 206.8% gain compared to the US's 88.1% since 2005. That's crazy. Among G7 countries, the UK, Germany, and France have also seen substantial home price growth since 2005, while Japan and Italy had the more modest gains. Canada's recent population increase is seen as a result of policy decisions designed to support the real estate bubble narrative. However, concerns about the bubble existed even before these decisions were made. 206.8% gain compared to 88.1% in the US since 2005. That is bananas.
0: I mean, in, you know, of the G7 countries as well, though, Canada has the highest percentage of home ownership as well, which I think is important because of that. You know, we've talked about it before. Canada certainly has, the Canadians rather have a propensity of, you know, it's that goal of,
2: yeah, home, buy, own, own your
0: own home. It's not rent a home in the US. Like there's no, it's, you know, yes, it's about owning, but there is like, it's, it's, typical to rent europe is all rentals so i think there's a big difference there but also in this article which i think is interesting when it talks about that policy of immigration is that there's a an article this weekend in the globe and and stats from stats canada as well as we had 900,000 pr prs come in last year which was the exact same number as the u.s and the u.s is 10 times the size Crazy. of canada so when we talk about housing shortages or housing needs and affordable housing needs, it's because we're a population of 39 million and we're adding a million a year, which is the same number of, from an immigration standpoint as the US, which is wild to think about. Very Um, important fact. Yeah, that's crazy. yet, Yet Canada has the same GDP as basically the greater New York City area. You know, it's so it's, it's really important to kind of look at that. Mm-hmm. Today, as we were coming on air, there was an announcement. They haven't fully released it, but that government's actually looking at this now. And they announced this morning that they're going to put a two-year cap on international student admissions and reduce it or reduce the numbers by 35%, which I think is is actually a good thing because we need to, you know, obviously... That housing issue, regardless of how many we talk about on the air, we just talked about of new listings and pra- places not being sold and all that. That's really just you know people living in multi-generational homes or kids staying at home longer, people not able to upsize or downsize because of where interest rates are. But really, we do have that shortage and we see it in like even in Ottawa. I think they announced this weekend that a Fed building in Westboro is going to be converted to a, uh, a shelter. To a shelter. Wow. I think it's an extra... I think it was like an extra 80 beds or something like that for families. So there's, you know, that obviously goes to show that of how much need there is within Ottawa, you know, for, for people that aren't, you know, that are houseless, homeless, whichever that we're needing that, that added supply.
2: I watched a YouTube video this morning, I can't remember, Geo, Geo Economist or something. And it was saying that 53, first of all, 53% of Canadians are fed up with, or, or say that they can't afford to live in Canada. 53%. 53%. I, I don't know where that number came from, but I thought that was pretty staggering. And followed by the average, the percentage of, of income towards home ownership in Ottawa is 60%, Toronto, 80%, and Vancouver is 98%. So basically, 98% of your income is going to housing in Vancouver. And that's like, you know, what do you do? Like, what do you do with that? How do you,
0: how do you live? Canada. Yeah i mean i i think I, i'd be curious though in those numbers of how much income like what income they're using Like that's um, the thing because it's at like the
2: end of the day you see the numbers that's yeah like
0: at the end of the day from, from a where? qualifying perspective like you know it talks about that housing bubble in the u.s and compared to that the u.s was definitely the wild west and it's still a hell of a lot easier to qualify for a mortgage down there than it is here much different rules of you know mortgages are locked in for 30 years. There's no fluctuation in rates or anything like that. Like what you pay is what you pay, but they don't have this here. It's, you know, there's very strict qualifying guidelines and income that's being used. And it's very restricted as, as far as even what income is being used. So would be curious on those stats when they say 98% of income, well, those people need to qualify for that mortgage. So is it just many parents and everyone else coming on, but they also have their own homes. So, you know, where, what stats are they using, but they, because they also won't use, from a mortgage perspective, like if somebody were, if somebody drives for Uber or Lyft on the side or something like that, like they aren't always mm-hmm. claiming that. Or they, that gig economy, which accounts for billions of dollars, like that's not claimed income. That's still cash that people are able to spend. So I'm curious, like what stats they're, they're I agree. driving that number from.
1: I just, I just put a chart in the, in the chat. I don't know if even if you're able to access that or not on the fly, but it's the monthly mortgage payment on a typical home. So it's the MLS, I guess, housing price index, benchmark price. So 80% loan to value 30 year amortization using an average five-year mortgage rate from January, 2016 until now. And it's a pretty, pretty outrageous payment chart. Like as far as just the mm-hmm. average mortgage payment. So you can see it started around 1500 and now it's sitting around
0: 3,500, eight years later.
2: Crazy. Yeah. I was going to say it's certainly
0: not sustainable at that hockey stick of a curve, you know. But so something's got to change from, you know, from a payment perspective, whether that's longer amortizations, which then also fuel like housing prices because people qualify for more. Like there's not an easy answer for that. But, you know, looking at that hockey stick of a chart, obviously people can't continue at those payments in perpetuity.
1: So interesting story. Actually, last week I had clients that were buying a home. The home was eight seven ninety eight, putting 300 down. So they were trying to compare a 30-year mortgage and a 25-year mortgage because they said, you know, we have daycare right now, which goes for another year and a half. And basically when that's done, we'll be able to, you know, make some larger payments and so on. So they were comparing the two. I did the math. I actually have it right here because it was last week. They're looking at a variable rate. So the best variable rate we we're looking at, given their structure, 30-year M, was roughly around prime minus 0.5. So given the lender and so on, it was in the high sixes. If they went with the 25-year am, the rate was going to be 6.15. So a difference of 0.7% on the rate. The payments were actually a dollar more by going with a 30-year amortization. So although the thought is, oh, we're going to extend our amortization, we're going to lower our payments, not not accurate. Because the rate was so much higher, they're basically paying a dollar more per month they're paying an extra $19,234 in interest and an additional $19,196 less on the principal over that five years. So although it seemed optically like, oh, we're taking a 30-year, it's going to lower our payments, it's going to be better for us. Not only was it more expensive every month, slight, obviously very nominal, basically the same, but they're going to be paying way less and they're going to pay way more in interest. And is that... A- Lenders trying to restrict people from doing 30 years,
0: or
2: that just happened to
0: be the scenario? So, one thing that that people don't know or realize because a lot of people walk into their branch is the major banks just have one set of rates for 25 year amortizations, one set of rates for 30 year amortizations, conventional, and one set of rates for insured, meaning like CMHC insured or Sage or or Canada guarantee. We have as, as mortgage. Agents, we have access to many banks and other banks have buckets of rates. As long as they meet that insurer guideline, they don't, mean the client doesn't have to pay the premiums. The bank pays those premiums, but there's different buckets of rates based on that loan to value on a 25 year amortization versus a 30 year. A 30 year, the bank has to lend their own money, their balance sheet lending. So they're not able to package it together and sell it off to the market as an insured product. So in this case, Paul's clients are falling under that less than 65% loan-to-value, 25-year amortization. So they're getting absolute best rates as if they're like as an insured mortgage versus a 30-year, the banks haven't to balance sheet lend, and it's a conventional mortgage. So the money's actually more expensive on a 30-year amortization. And so the major banks don't have different buckets of rates like mortgage agents do. Again. Goes back to why you should <laughs> speak to mortgage yeah. mortgage agent as opposed to your, made, your bank, uh, especially when you're coming up for renewal, but even on a purchase like this.
1: But yeah, they came to me. They had already, they, they had an approval from a major bank. And then they also had an approval from an online, I don't even want to say broker, an online service. And basically, the rate, they were almost, they were considering going with the conventional bank even at a much lesser rate. It was going to be prime minus 0. 0.4 because of the fact that it was 30 years, but they obviously weren't provided the comparison or the payments or any of that data I just gave you, which I did in two minutes with them on the phone. But now it's obvious that that's not the right choice. I mean, it's obvious that 25 year is clearly the right decision. Like they're gonna be way further ahead in the five year time frame, right? So, and and to the, in their situation specifically, and I'm sure it's with a lot of people, their cost of living is gonna fluctuate. So having a variable rate is obviously, an upfront risk in the sense that you don't know if the rate's going to go up or down. But being with a conventional lender and still having that static payment, at least the payment will stay the same. The interest and principal will change. But for them, it was important too to have the flexibility of if rates do come down, variable or fixed, that they have the flexibility to convert it into a fixed within the next five years, or kind of ride the wave down on the variable if that happens. So they're kind of playing the game as well. And that's why even taking the 30 year and paying that extra interest is, is even less worth it because you're kind of voluntarily taking an even higher interest rate with little to no additional benefits
0: well i think that's that's great i mean it's it's interesting as well that that your clients just as mine have been having a lot more variable rate conversations with people that are coming to the you know they come to these conversations very much more informed you know they they read up on what economists are saying or banks are saying and and they're a lot of clients are coming to the same conclusion that rates are going to go down at some point this year and start to come down. And so it's, it's certainly been in conversation more so with clients, especially ones that are coming up for renewal, like having a lot of renewal clients for the next quarter and two quarters that are, you know, bringing up like, well, what do you think about like variable? I'm, I, that's all I'm looking at. Like that's what they're telling me. It's, mm. it's, so I thought that's an, interesting. And I would say homeowners have
1: have heard the message loud and clear. Like the people that I have talked to that are renewing have said like over the last year with all the speculation stuff that they have been putting additional money aside, maybe instead of going into investments into savings that they know that they have that kind of buffer and that threshold for increased payments moving forward. So I think Canadians have definitely heard that message loud and clear. Like everyone is now aware, okay, rates are going to be way higher in renewal. I don't think there's as much sticker shock as there was for people being maybe beginning of last year. So, I think that'll translate into easier conversations, maybe where people are informed they kind of know what to expect, and it's not going to be a what do you mean our payment's going up four hundred dollars, you know, whatever that amount is. So I think people, as you said are are definitely keeping their finger on the pulse more than in years past because of the increases we've seen in the last couple of years. It's kind of forced people to be more involved and more invested in in their property and their investment, you know their real estate investment. I like it. You know what else I like. I, uh, if, if anyone's noticed, if anyone's
2: noticing and paying attention to me on the screen, if anyone I'll watches this, if anyone, if anyone watches or <laughs> listens to this show, I'm in, I'm in new, new spaces the last couple of weeks, new spaces. Cause we're in a new office since we, since we moved to eXp we're we've acquired office space and I'm very excited. The, the, the podcast studio is going to be pretty fabulous coming within the next, next month or so. So stay tuned and for that. And we're neighbors. So great. Te- and we're neighbor and I'm right across right across from Paul. So we're, we're so are you we're testing not only different virtually offices? connected now, we're physically connected.
0: <laughs> are you like, testing the different like vibe Siamese of different twins. to
2: see what you like? Like Siamese twins, Paul and I. <laughs> Couple Geminis. Yeah. Eh? It's yeah, we're yeah, we're we're beside, we're beside little, I'm doing a podcast mm-hmm. basically across the halls. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be
1: nice. We'll have we'll have party. We'll have party here. Party. Yeah. Party yeah well should we party on to some mood boosts i think so i think that's all i think that's all i have for today those are some good 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 (laughs) hits
2: it was you know what what i liked about this show is that i would say something or you would say something paul and then david would just come in with the incredible follow-up it was very good i liked that today i noticed it happening it's that death time it's
1: that smooth (laughs) countertop yeah it was like dave dave really did his job today Put it that way, and, and he's and he's bedazzled. He's got the he's got the diamond going. <laughs> it was the, the desk. There. It was the it was the, the desk. desk. The yeah. desk. Magic. Mad Mad Max, or what do you say, Madman? Men? Oh. Men? Mad Men, yeah. Not oh, yeah. Mad Max. Sorry, different. Mad different Max. <laughs> much Greg's different. got more of the Mad Max vibe over there with the
0: insane <laughs> the the asylum. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, okay, so and I got least... I got three today, but I'm going to start with just a a, a little tidbit. It said I used to be indecisive. Now, I'm not so sure. Mm -hmm. All right, number one. Uh, I called up my landlord, and I said, hey, I got a leak in my sink. He said, go ahead, I'm not judging.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no. And number two. (laughs) I went to see the doctor about my blocked ears. Which ear is it, he asked. 2024, I replied. Ah hard mm-hmm. yes. of hearing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and number three last but not least today i saw someone waving and i wasn't sure if they were waving at me or at someone behind me in other news i was fired from my lifeguard job <laughs> oh, paul steven posted up in the group you should bring yes. up the faces 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 we got our faces on screen we were also nominated our second year second year in a row i think for podcast of the year in the media category for Faces Magazine. So I think voting opens today and you can vote by visiting, I think, faces.ca. There's a nomination there. We'll make sure to put in the show notes. But if you're listening, if you can take two minutes and go over and, and vote for us, that would be much appreciated. And thank you. Whoever
0: nominated us, thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah thank Must you. To have, I, imagine, us. I imagine it was Jeff O'Toole that nominated us.
2: <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> his Good favorite team. podcast
0: our bff our bff jeff
1: shout out uh, yes great work gentlemen it's a testament to all the hard work you guys put in <laughs> i just i just show up every monday <laughs> you guys are great as
0: everyone, as awesome. everyone knows we love we, you. we just show up love you <laughs> yeah. love this show
1: <laughs> uh all right well we'll be back next week every tuesday 10 a.m you can tune in on youtube or any major streaming platform podcast streaming platform you know what i mean and we'll be back next week gentlemen godspeed have a great week here's see you later
0: thanks for tuning in everyone we hope you enjoyed today's episode please remember to like share comment and subscribe because we'd really like that